Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. In 2005, two brothers hit the road to chase demons and fight monsters. You know, like you do. After 15 years, they made television history and built a community of dedicated and lasting fans. Sure did. I'm Rob Benedict, and I played God, a.k.a. Chuck Shirley. Yeah, you are, and yeah, you did. And I'm Richard Spade Jr., and I played the Archangel Gabriel, a.k.a. the Trickster, a.k.a. Loki. I also had the privilege of directing a bunch of episodes of the show. Have a few more a.k.a.s, why don't you? Jeez. A.k.a. you're a jerk. Though we've been involved with the series for years and multiple seasons, we never sat down and watched the entire show. Oh, that's not true anymore. Now... We're deep into it. We are going episode by episode and diving in with the folks who made it to bring you an insider's point of view and some great behind-the-scenes stories from the writers, producers, crew, and actors. And you're getting our pure, honest, unfettered reviews. And along the road, let me tell you, we're becoming fans. Buddy, we are super fans. We've heard you saying it for years, and we finally get what all the excitement's about. This show holds up after all this time and deserves to be watched and rewatched. We will be hitting on some spoilers, so consider yourself warned. And if you have any angry emails you want to send, please direct them to Babo. Thank you for joining our journey and listening to Supernatural Then and Now. Hey everybody, I'm Rob Benedict. And I'm Richard Spade Jr. And we're talking about Supernatural Season 4, Episode 16, On the Head of a Pin. No, we're not talking about it on the head of a pen. We're talking about it on Zoom. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, hey, Rich. What? Did you know that fans can now get a Rob's Notes notebook at spnthenandnow.com? You mean a Rob's Dumb Notes notebook? That's right. It's uh, You get your own notebook to write down your own dumb notes. And the design of the notebook <laughs> is really funny. It's, it's, it's as if it's my notebook that Richard stole, and he writes his own graffiti all over it. It's uh, good stuff. Basically, it's like I took Rob's Dumb Notebook and made it better. That's right. No actual notebooks were injured in the making of this notebook. I wish uh, there was other merch. Well, there is other merch. There's stickers, pins. What? Ow. Is that like bowling pins? Oh, no, uh, that's like pin that you stick yeah, on Yeah, so shirt. I'm pretty sure it's bowling pins, Rob, because that's what everybody's looking for. Stickers, pins, <laughs> bags, T-shirts. Man, it's like they got it all. Yeah, you can go uh, do your shopping at spnthenandnow.com. It's almost the holidays, for goodness sake. When this thing airs, it may be uh, Cinco de Mayo. We have no exactly. idea. <laughs> exactly. It's some holiday coming up. Yeah. Um, all right. There's a lot going on in this episode. Are you ready? I'm excited to hear your summary, which, of course, comes right off the top of your head. That's right. I don't have to do a lot of heavy lifting during this sequence, so uh-huh. I'm just going to be keeping my eyes and ears peeled for typos. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Castillo walks through a disaster scene where there are cars upside down and alarms blaring, but not a living soul in sight. He comes upon a woman in white with a wound in her side. He wishes her goodbye and leaves before the police arrive. That's called leaving the scene, Robbie. Leaving the scene. Sam and Dean are driving, having recently left the funeral for Pamela Barnes. Dean is tired of all their friends dying. And Sam tells him to get angry, not tired. 
They arrive at a motel and find Castiel and Uriel waiting for them. Yeah, how many times have you heard that old saying? Don't get tired, get angry. I know, right? Yeah. The angels tell them that seven angels have recently been killed, and they don't know how the demons are doing it. Uriel wants Dean to interrogate a captured Alistair. At first, Dean refuses, but Uriel says they aren't asking. The angels then disappear with Dean, leaving Sam alone. Yeah. The two angels and Dean arrive at an empty warehouse where Alistair is confined in a devil's trap. Now, this is a different Alistair than the last Alistair we saw, right? Yeah, different the, actor. The, the Alistair we saw before uh, was... Uh, Mark Wal- Ralston. Yeah, the guy from uh, Shawshank Redemption. Right. Uh, but this different actor, but still doing that same kind of speech dialect that Ralston did. Yeah, this is did. Christopher Heyerdahl. Got it. Dean still resists, and Castiel tells him he wishes there was another way. Dean tells Castiel that he won't like what walks out if he makes him do this. Dean enters the chamber with Alistair, who taunts him. Alistair tells Dean he left a part of himself in hell and brags about how much John Winchester was tortured. Yeah, that hurts. That's, that's his that's, dad. They're related, so that's got to hurt. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ruby has arrived at the hotel. Why aren't I surprised? I Sam tells her he's worried that Dean isn't strong enough to get the job done, but that he will be. Dean starts to torture Alistair, first injecting him with holy water. Holy water. Yeah. <laughs> Alistair continues to taunt Dean about how the demon broke him. Meanwhile, Ruby conducts a ritual to locate Dean and also cuts her arms so that Sam can feed on her demon blood. Oh, yeah. Feed the Sam. That's right. And that's when he knew. Dean continues to torture Alistair to try and get an answer on how the angels are dying. Unbeknownst to Dean, a valve on a water pipe is turning on its own. Droplets of water start dripping on the perimeter of the devil's trap. That was supposed to be just like maiden clad, this devil's trap, but still water yeah, washes chalk away. Yeah, I know. Away. It's a real bummer because you, when you invest that kind of time and energy into a devil's yeah. trap, you expect it to have some, you know, it's the classic, you got to wonder if it's made in America. But they must have got it at Ikea. It feels very, very much like it was slapped together feels somewhere like else. a little bit of an Ikea thing. Yeah. They didn't have the right Allen wrench. Classic Swedes. Castiel has been outside the chamber listening to Alistair's screams. Anna arrives. Anna's back. Anna's and back. questions whether the orders Castiel and Uriel are following are really the word of God. Castiel refuses to question God's word, even though he's had doubts in the past. The torture of Alistair continues, and he reveals that Dean torturing his first soul was the first seal to be broken. Which I hated hearing because an aquatic wildlife fan you don't want to hear about anybody or any animal getting injured. And somehow Dean torturing some guy, some eel gets hurt. Some seal, yeah. Uh, seal. Yeah, no, I know that you, uh, you're you a big fan of the aquatic wildlife. But I knew I was thinking about you when, when that was revealed. So they're breaking seals. Suddenly, Alistair is free because of the broken devil's trap. They fight. Dean gets knocked to smithereens. He punches the hell out of Dean. And uh, he's knocked unconscious. Castiel arrives and goes toe-to-toe with Alistair. The demon gets the upper hand and is about to send Castiel back to heaven when suddenly Sam arrives and uses his newly found demon powers to pin the demon to the wall. Now, I'm the only one who was sitting there thinking, is that a punishment to get sent back to heaven? He's like, now I'm going to send you back to the waterbed store <laughs> with the all-you-can-eat buffet attached. Well, like you're going to heaven. Yeah, but in this, like what, like what is that? We need him here. We need him here. It doesn't seem like much of a threat. Well, yeah, but if you go back to heaven, why he could just zap himself back down. That didn't seem like much of a threat. I'm just saying. Yeah, like sending him back to his mother's womb or something. Well, you and you just literally go, okay, send him back to heaven, and then poof, I'm back. Yeah, he didn't say I'm sending you back to heaven. Or, I'm locking you. It's there. a great Alistair, by he, the way. Thank you very much. Uh, so. Sam shows up. He uses his power to torture Alistair, who reveals it isn't the demons killing the angels. Sam then destroys the demon. Castiel watches in disbelief. Hmm. Dean gets taken to a hospital. Castiel puts some things together and suspects Uriel might be involved with freeing Alistair. Uriel admits the plan was for Alistair to escape and kill Dean. Uriel is trying to put together a rebellion against God and to free Lucifer. What? In a twist. Oh, man. The angels fight. Castiel is about to be destroyed by Uriel's blade because angels can only kill angels. That's what we find out, that angels can only kill angels. But suddenly Anna appears and stabs Uriel with his own blade. Mm. Dean wakes up and Castiel is there with him. Castiel tells Dean that Uriel is a traitor and Dean did indeed break the first seal. And that only Dean can stop the apocalypse now. But Dean 
with eyes full of tears, tells him he doesn't believe he's strong enough. Does the seal ever pop his head up over the hospital bed and go, thanks for breaking me? (laughs) Well, what a razzle-dazzle cornucopia of craziness this episode was. I, you know, I didn't know what I was in for at the beginning. I was like, what's going on? What's happening? It took me a minute. I really loved this line that Hired All has. Where he's like, yeah, you should talk to your plumber about those pipes. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. such a great line. That actor's so good. Robert Wisdom is so good. Yeah. It's like such good acting in this episode, man. What a great episode. Robert Wisdom is so fantastic. And Christopher Hired All so fantastic. They're both just unbelievable yeah. home run hitters yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Great acting in this episode. And dark. And Sam and Dean have some great stuff too. Very dark. We learn a lot about. And, and Genevieve doing her thing, yep. man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, Julie McNiven. Ah, oh, love her so much. Yeah, man. It's just really, really crazy how how good the, and chock full. Of stuff. I mean, you know, we're finding out that, that there's drama in heaven, that there's drama, there's infighting. Yeah, trouble in paradise, as they say. You know, you've got a God, even this early, we're finding out that God is not all there, not always attending to his angels. No, not always attending to the angels. And uh, it's the first sort of mention of bringing Lucifer back. A lot of foreshadowing happening here. Yeah, so it's, 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 I, I, I'm going and watching it going, this is a classic episode. It's a classic episode. So let's talk about facial hair. All right. Let's get to it. I think it's great. Man, it's, it's funny. It's one of those ones where I want to, it's almost like a one you want to give a perfect score to. And at the same time, there's so much being set up in this thing that some of it feels expository, but it's the acting is so good. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think? I'm going to give it Kenny Loggins. Okay. But it's, I don't know if this is going to make sense. It's, it's a JPEG of the Kenny Loggins. It's a picture of a picture. So it's not live Kenny Loggins. Wow, look at that majestic beard. It's it's a it's a picture of a picture. And I, I say that because it felt like I, I was really invested. I found a lot of stuff out. I'm almost like I'm reading a book. But it was right. less for me about the emotions of sort of, of some of the of what some of the episodes do to me. You know what I mean? Right. And it was more about sort of like just taking on all this information and I'm still kind of digesting it and going, okay, so what now? Who and what? And, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense. It's a, it's a picture. It's a picture of Kenny Loggins, not the live Kenny Loggins. No. Yeah. Maybe I I, I, I do that again. I should do that again. I should do that again. I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, take any mushrooms before doing the podcast. I'm having a hard time. I'm going to, I'm going to do mine again. I'll do mine again. I'll do it again. No, this is great. I hear what you're saying. And I actually agree with you in your assessment. Your choice of beards is mildly confusing, but I get it. Here's what, let me tell you what I was going to pick. And you, and you tell me yours, and, and then I'm going to go back and edit mine based well, on what you, you can, Well, or you can stay with where you were, whatever. You can amend it if you want. I was going to go with the Christopher Heyerdahl, the Alistair beard. Oh, good. The guy's got a full beard, good. but it's not big like a Stapleton, uh-huh. but it's rock solid. Uh-huh. Does what it's supposed to do. Covered. Looks great. Covered with blood. Um, basically, I think the acting and, and some of the writing is so clever and dark and interesting in this episode that it's it's really, really good. Especially the the Dean storyline with uh, Alistair, Alistair and Uriel, Robert Wisdom. I mean. It's all so dense and intense. Uh-huh. And I just loved that element of it. Yeah. So I mean, I'm giving it the higher doll. That's good. I, man, a lot of spitting, a lot of spitting blood. I was a lot of spitting, dude, a lot of barfing. I literally, I thought that I'm like, what a awful floor cleanup. And also a nice reset. All right, let's put some more, uh, organs and uh Heyerdahl's mouth please yeah well that and action that and yeah. just the performance he gave it's, uh, you're, you know, you're, it's a lot. He gave a lot. He gave a lot. To, to get great. there, so yeah, you're obviously you get an A home run. I ground it out to second, but it's it's a you know. Do I stay with that? I give your beard a beard. You know what I mean? Do I do I stay with that? A picture of Kenny Loggins as my beard? Why not? I don't know because it's kind of weird. It's fine. All right, well, let's get to the to the interview portion. We are so delighted to have this person Dude, with us. We got a heavy hitter yeah. today. Uh, Robert Wisdom played Uriel. Uh, recently, I loved him in the show Barry, playing Jim Moss. 
what a resume he Rich, has to yeah, rock. Rich, Rich loved him in The Wire. Uh, he has an incredible resume in starring roles in film and TV. Ballers, Burn Notice, The Wire, Nashville, Watchmen, The Alienist, and Ray are just a few. And now our interview with Robert Wisdom. There he is. Hey there. Thanks so much for doing this with us, man. Yeah, man. It's good to know about it. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I can say that Robbie and I are sort of going back and watching the show, and there's there's plenty of episodes we missed. I'm Rich, by the way. That's Rob. Um, oh, yeah. Plenty of episodes we've missed over the years, and going back and watching them, I mean, your story arc is so great in the series. It's just fantastic. No, you know, I went back and watched it last night, you know, just because I ain't seen it in I don't know how many years. Yeah. But uh, I went back and looked at it, and it's actually, it was some good shit, man. Yeah. 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 Dark. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, again, I was just, I, I continually am surprised by what they got away with on network television. I swear to God, man. <laughs> Like you couldn't do that ago. these days. No way. They no. can't make movies that hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and this was, and I, I've said this a lot on the podcast, but this thing was buttoned up against, you know, Dawson's Creek. I know. It wasn't it's like the, a night of gruesome, right. macabre murder shows. Yeah. It was, right. It's the CW. Think of that. You were modeling CW, teens man. and the softest shit in the world. Yeah. And, and they hooked millions of your little kids, like y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy. So let's dive into it. Let's get dive into it. So you, you, you just go to the, back to the beginning. You were offered the role without an audition. Were you fam- familiar with the series? Did the producers reveal much about the, what the character was going to do or what it would become? It came out of the blue, and basically all I knew was Uriel. So I went in the the legit door and looked at the archangel Uriel thinking, Hey, this is what we're going to do, you know, Mm -hmm. but I knew it wasn't going to be gowns and wings and all of that. But, you know, I kind of thought that he would be like a redeeming guy. Mm -hmm. And we didn't talk about it. We didn't even talk about how many episodes, you know, Misha and I came on at the very same time. And we met literally in the car getting picked up, going to the, uh, going to set. Wow. And, Neither one of us knew shit. Neither one of us knew. Misha didn't know that he'd be on for the next 15 years wow. or whatever. Wow. You know? Wow. So it was it was just basically in the dark, and we shot in Vancouver, and nobody nobody said anything, which I appreciated, you know, because I didn't want to get ahead of uh, myself in the conception. And the conception was so different than what my head was, that it was better I didn't know anything. Mm. So I just played... I just played what was in front of me. Mm-hmm. Did you have any ties to the show previously? Meaning like a lot of times when these offers come on, you obviously had a phenomenal resume before you did Supernatural. It's like some legendary stuff. But did you have, had you worked with Bob Singer? Did you have anything that connected you to the producers behind the show, Eric Kripke or not, nobody? Not at all. Not, no, nothing. I mean, our world's, the only thing I kept thinking of, and we never actually talked about it, you know, I was doing prison break and I said, well, maybe some of them might, there might be some overlap, but you know, we never connected up. The exec producers and the writers never came to, very rarely came to set. Right. Yeah. So we re- we didn't get to actually meet and chop it. So basically it was just whoever the director was that week and the supervising producer or usually a writer. And that was it. They were button lip. They never really talked about anything that was coming right i met the guys and they filled me in on the backstory and where oreo might be coming in yeah and they were effectively the producers of the show in my opinion Mm. the two of them they they knew all the nuance and corrected stuff on set so i really so i I, yeah i was it was nice to have them around that i could just bounce stuff off of yep yeah, that was kind of it, you know. So there was no real connection, and where they found me, God only knows, you know. <laughs> but I'm glad they did. You yeah. Know? Well, but and it's a it's a multifaceted character too. You talked about like looking who Uriel, Uriel was in some in a religious context, but really, the, the show is sort of famous for maybe having one foot in a historical context, but then making the rest up. Because Uriel yeah. is definitely like. Dude, you're a tough mofo in this, like as an angel. Like it really takes the whole idea of an angel and turns it on its ear. That's that's kind of it. That what I appreciated watching it last night. I was like, damn, they put them. They they stepped on this shit. Yeah, you know, 
the idea of an angel just like, and I don't even remember making the choice to like kind of just whisper the shit to fuck it, you know? It was like so underplayed, like, motherfucker, we're here for business, you know? And yeah. it was just, and I was like, I was looking at it saying, this shit was effective, man. Yeah. You oh, know? so effective. You're talking about that, like, I want to say on that point, having watched it last night as well. There's that there's that one moment where you just say it's like Eastwood. You're like Clint Eastwood. He's like he's right. like I don't can't, you can't believe you're asking me to do this. You're like we're not asking. Dramatic. That had to that had to add aside from a, an actor having layers to play. That had to make it. I mean, I would assume that would make it fun. It's funny this, that you say that because I never thought I'd say it, but those were the old days. They did 22 fucking episodes a year. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody does that now. Mm-hmm. No. Those writers constructed universes, you know, that can be analyzed for years. I mean, this is like fucking horror history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and literally, I don't know any show out there that has built something like this over so many seasons with integrity. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Law and Order does their thing, but this is actually creating worlds and dimensions of spiritually sound, kind of metaphysically crazy shit. Yeah. And they did it. Mm-hmm. So I say that because because there was a lot of, you know, just looking at last night, there were three stories in that one episode. And when I read the script, I thought, we ain't got enough get enough time for our shit. But all of the directors were well-drilled, so they managed to, and, and I think the guys played a role as well, to kind of let it expand but keep it contained at the same time so that the merry-go-round could like make it all the way around mm-hmm. right? and the whole would be served, you know? And, and so I just thought it was remarkable to get, like, in one hour, literally 40-something minutes, a big-ass story like that in. Yeah. And... And I didn't feel like Oriel's death was cheated in the least. God, no. Not, yeah. I, I, yeah, no. No, it was great. It was a great moment. Really powerful moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, hold on. We're coming right back. You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. Place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance, you will face them head on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms dimensions and realities beyond yours anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy you'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon but all connected by a shared mythology the goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, Offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit SeekAnomaly.com to learn more. 
Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly. Hear its magic. Thanks for listening, everybody. And now back to the episode. And then they call him a specialist. Uriel, they call him a specialist. Yeah. What do you think he was a specialist in? It, yeah, we don't really find out, do we, specifically? We never find out, but I think it's it's what we were kind of touching on earlier. He went out and did all the dirty work. Mm-hmm. He was a fucking hit man. He basically, Uriel was the dark conscience of God mm. in that sense. That he would kill on behalf of God mm-hmm. in the largest sense of moving towards harmony or the good intentions of God. I kind of looked at it like this, and this was kind of a thing that I kept in my head. Oreo wasn't so much about, you know, he didn't buy into the polarity of, of good and evil. He looked at forces that build up and forces that tear down. So he was the one that went out, and if he had to tear down, you know, the existing uh, forces, and that meant killing, mowing down people, destroying civilizations, he would do that with the knowing that what God was bringing was something that would build up man. And it was that kind of, so he was, we talk about the 10,000, you know, 10,000 foot view. Oriel was like the 100,000 mile view of civilization. So he played, he was literally right beside God doing all the shit that was beyond the conscience of man. He was way beyond good and evil. Mm-hmm. He was like into, you know, the whole wheel turning mm-hmm. in the in the biggest way. So that's, that's that's what would work for me. Yeah. Otherwise, I would get too religious about the shit, and right. it would be like, you know. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. Right. I get that. Uh, did you know before you shot this episode that this would be, this would be it? That he dies in this? Did you how what, what how much of a leeway did you get before you knew that? I probably got I got that script probably uh, you know earlier that week, and when he died, I guess I, I kind of uh, that week when I got it when I read it, I saw that this was my out. Right. And I have to say, I wasn't happy. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Because I was digging him, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I just felt like, uh, I felt like Misha's character needed me in the picture as much as, I, you know, yeah. as the big story needed me yes. in there. Yeah. So it really kind of um, flipped me that, that they took Oriel out just when he was getting a purchase. Exactly, you know? yeah. Because you, know? you find out a lot more about him in this episode, and then they take him away. And they take him yeah, away, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and you know, that you get a better perspective on the garrison, you know, and on the the fact that she could s- stick the dagger in me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is what I mean by when I talk about what they presented, the angelic realm's capabilities was way different than what we, all of us think. We think all archangels are there for our betterment, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and their nature is all refined and good. And they're like, they're just all about good. But in fact, their nature is as complex as man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the fact that she could make that choice, the fact that I was making the choice to kind of go with Lucifer, yeah, you know, yeah, which, which fucks everybody's mind up because the big story of Lucifer you got to set that up for people. Yeah. Because yeah. most people have such a black and white understanding of Satan, Lucifer. Right. But they don't understand that in those realms, there was a relationship. Yes. Lucifer had a powerful relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and so he was my, he was, in a sense, my model. Right. That's yeah. so weird. I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, the, one of the things that Supernatural did really interestingly, I think, is sort of examine the relationships you're talking about in a way that if you're just a Bible guy and you're like well good and evil is is very clear cut but then they take away all that clarity right it's all you know it's all because lucifer is an angel so these are angels having inner angel squabbles and whatnot yeah and yeah to your i thought you what you said was really interesting that you said that like uriel was was beyond good and evil beyond that something as simple as those decisions like looking at something in a much grander way right and then it makes you wonder I, look, I, you know, I, I'm sure fans debate this all the time, but in your desire to sort of get the apocalypse going, you wonder, 
I always wonder what if, what if that had happened? What if, like, what would that have felt like if you had been able to stir the pot longer? It's one of those things that you, if, you know, in a parallel universe where that, where that character doesn't get iced, but continues on and this, the war continues. It's just, I don't know, theoretically, it's it's fascinating to think about. Well, the thing is, is that we're always on the the head of the pin. We're always there. Yeah. You know, and that's the whole thing, the fragility of life. Look at the brothers. The brothers were divided, you know, the, through light and dark mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. And and so every relationship, you know, got magnified so that the imperfections and the fragility was really, is, is right there playing all the time. Yeah. Oriel was just there with Cassiel. Cassiel, if I wanted to kick Cassiel's ass, I could have kicked his ass. <laughs> yeah. There was another thing that I realized that there was a, I don't like to say fate, but there was almost a fated thing that if these powers were moving against me, it is my turn, my time to move on. And boom, in comes the dagger, you know. Right. But I was determined to create that apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, there was, that was the next thing that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we stumbled, we fell, we all, you know, in the fight. But But the fact is, is that, I was going to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And then she just made a moment in her life happen. Yeah. And, and her fate would have to carry her to the next place, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was beautifully kind of almost, it was like physics, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it, Mm -hmm. it just, everything was in a chain and it moved and poof, Mm -hmm. there went Mm Uriel. So, you know, we're we're all incidental in that way, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and we're not really here for, you know, the idea of the actor comes in wanting permanence, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I want to be a part of this story. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the fact is, is that, no, man, if, this is a river that keeps moving, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. and and that's what we got to see. It's an incredible show. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about that fight for a second. That was an intense fight you have with Misha. Um, You know, this, the idea of two super beings fighting. And I have to say, you're a little better that, than Misha. Like Misha's really throwing his punches. When he, you you notice that Rich, when, when, when Misha like gets ready to punch, he's like, (laughs) (laughs) obvious about, but um, you're quite a bit taller than Misha. Do you remember the rehearsal and the blocking of that? Yeah. Yeah. The stunt guys came in Uh and, um, because of where we had to end up, everything was very specific. And I wanted to make sure that my punches hurt, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so we blocked it so that, you know, I would always come across, you could see my back and you could just feel that power. Right. I think only through one punch where it shot me from the camera was in front of me on my face. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing was, it, it was actually deliberate to have Misha look a bit clumsy. A, a little more because mm. because that's that's Castiel's character. I see. Right. Okay, that yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So he was fighting uphill, right? You know, right. And I was fighting willfully. I knew I could take him out, mm. and I was about to fuck him up. Mm. So you know, you had the they had to create who you're going to root for in this, mm-hmm. and they did that. And then she comes in with the magic bullet, right? You know, right? Fucks up my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that too is that in this part part of the series, obviously in season thirteen, when Castiel gets in a life or death struggle, everybody knows that Castiel's going to survive. He's a series regular. He's on the poster. At this point in the show, that's right. not the case. At this point in the show, right. it was that's anybody's ball game. game. And yeah. so I think that added stakes to your guys' conflict and fight in a way that is better, almost better viewed through the lens of history because we know where the story went. But you go back, this could have easily, the writers on the flip of a coin could have had you kill him. You know what I mean? And then right. that story goes yeah. in a different direction. Exactly. And, but that story, I think they knew if that story happened, then the brother's story gets really fucked up mm-hmm. because one of them is going to have to stay on the dark side mm-hmm. and they could, they couldn't allow that. Right. They had to have the brothers. This is all in retrospect. You know, mm-hmm. I, we didn't see it coming at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think they had to take me out just then. Otherwise the storyline of the two angels would have been too competitive with the main storyline, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the whole show is built on the villain of the week, right. you know? Yeah. So, you know, basically you got to to get, I don't know how, how long my arc was. Maybe it was four or five episodes. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the big story, I served my purpose. I think 
I like to think that it kind of upped the the gravity of of the villains. I love the guy who was down on the oh on the Christopher Hyredall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he's so good. Shit. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Ooh, well, great, and, and honestly, this know. episode stands out to me is because of, because of you and Christopher, who are both like swinging for the fences. I mean, like he's phenomenal in everything he does in that episode. And then what you're doing right. is so intense and fantastic. It's a, I mean, this is like a feature film in, in sort of its, it, yeah. its, its weight and its execution. I think it's interesting. You mentioned the monster of the week. I feel like season four and Robbie and I've been deep diving on this. So, you know, we have a, a bit more recent knowledge of the story than you do, but right. it was less monster of the week. Now, like, like you were the, you were, I'm not necessarily calling you a monster, but you were the guy there for five episodes. You know, you were there for a chunk. It wasn't like yeah. in out, right. which was I, I like so much because, again, you don't know where the story's going. If I know that at the end of every episode, the crime is solved and the bad guy's in jail, then I know that. But in, in, in this season, right. in this series, they let go of that concept and went with a much more complex idea. And I, one of the things I also love about your character is I think you're the one that brought to the audience and to the boys and we and the audience as well, the idea of the Misha's character had started talking about the, the weird non-angelic nature of angels, if you will. But you brought it home with like, man, they right. can be, they can be grisly. You know, like it's a whole different mm-hmm. level yeah. and they have the power mm-hmm. to do yeah. it. It was really, it was really interesting to see how that played out. Yeah. That that's, that's the thing. It kind of shifted the basic premise into an epic and it took on more epical kind of dimensions. Mm -hmm. It, 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 you know, when we were growing up and I, and I don't want to digress, but real quick, but when we were growing up and we learned about the universe, we kind of thought the gap, we, our galaxy was it. Mm, The limits was us, you know? And that's what this show did. It started out with like, mean bad people mm-hmm. and strange happenings and unnatural shit and then all of a sudden it just shot it out into the greater universe universe you know galaxy 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 yeah so that the viewer is now looking at like wow everything is a wow right. it's not even like pondering like what's possible it's like fuck yeah you know yeah and then we get what happens is our sense of of uh, our sense of the deep fear is just increased by a hundredfold because we don't even know how scared we can get mm-hmm. by what the dark holds, mm. and that's what they were able to do by just putting a guy up there saying, "We're not asking you shit, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. We're telling you this is what you're going to do, you know." And and kind of that the universe has that kind of command over your life scares the yeah. fuck out of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they were able to do that with this character. I don't know if that was their intention, uh-huh. but I looked at it like uh, last night and I'm, that's what made me so impressed by yeah. the series. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah. No, when they brought in angels, you know, you, Uriel and Castiel, when they brought you in and they opened up this whole new door and like, Oh wow. Where are we going now? Uh, that's why right. I think this season four is such a great season. And, and- it was already a good show. It just, it's like, it just, yeah. it, it went, yes, and. It was always, it was already Yeah, a good but they show. broke yeah. their pattern. I know what you're saying, Rob. Like, they took it, they took it up, they just upped the whole thing in terms of how they were going to. Yeah. They upped exactly. the whole fucking yeah. thing in a subtle yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things I liked also, that's also talking about subtle, is the costuming between you and Misha. Like, Misha's top, I mean, uh-huh. I know it's based on the fact that he took over the body of that guy, and that's what that guy was wearing. But just from an optic standpoint, your character was buttoned up, s- snappy, and he Shut and he looked like he slept in a van. Like, you know, his rumpled coat, <laughs> tie kind of hanging down. It really created an, a, a, right. an interesting just power dynamic visual between the two of you. Well, that was that was basically it. It was kind of our... It wasn't quite Laurel and Hardy, but it, you know, it was basically two misfits. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that have and I had to fucking endure. He was like a, like the little brother who was just like Jesus Christ, Cassie, you get a fucking grip, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, and it's like put this fucking tie on, right? What did I show you? <laughs> there was a bit of that 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 in the early part of our our story that we had that going. Yeah. Um, I wish they had had, well, they, they caught it, I think. Um, and I'll get back to your question, but they caught the look of Uria, I mean, of, of uh, Misha, when he saw me go. And it was a very confused look, like mm. he 
was sorry to see me go, but also knew it was necessary. Mm-hmm. But there was like a personal moment. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was, I thought that was great. Absolutely. Yeah. Misha yeah. plays that well. He plays that well. That sort of angel that doesn't understand feelings, but he's having them yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know there's talk, there was talk of bringing Uriel back in season 15. Apparently Misha Collins tweeted about it. Did you ever hear anything about that? You know what? I think that came out of, I don't know if he tweeted about that. Oh, oh no. He led people on. Oh, he did? Yeah. Cause, cause um, I was shooting in. I was shooting Hellstrom uh-huh. in Vancouver. Uh-huh. And so I said, well, let me go over because I knew that they were rapping. So I drove over and just to see him on set. Oh, cool. And a lot of the same yeah. folks were there. So we hung out and took a picture. And so he posted a picture, but it, he sort of like uh, intimated, uh-huh. like, you know, and then the fans went nuts. Oh, funny. For, for weeks, you know, on the coming back and Uriel's coming back. And he never put the fire out. Oh, you know? <laughs> that's so, that's what he does. Yeah, so I think that's what it, I think that's what it came up. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. And by the way, do you remember? Quick side note: Do you remember where you and I met? Because we met once. I was looking at your face, and we tell me it was on an airplane because I came, I came up to you on an airplane and introduced myself because you 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 knew Michael Cudlitz a little bit, and I knew Mike knew you, and right. and so I saw oh, you on an airplane, and I'm I like, remember. I'm going to go say hi. So I I introduced myself right. to you on an airplane out of the blue. I remember, I remember, I remember the cutest moment. Yeah. So I was must have been coming from um, Nashville. It was you must have been because I live in Nashville, so I must have, or I'm from Nashville originally, so I might have been making that flight. So yes, it that 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 yeah. that makes sense. That was it. yeah. But I came over to you, and you were sense. by the way for anybody who sees Robert Wisdom on an airplane, he's lovely. You can go up to him and say hello. <laughs> I, uh, I went up to him and I'm like, dude, I know you don't know me, but A, I love your work, and B, uh, Michael Cudlitz and, you know, is one of my dear friends, and, and you were fantastic, and, and it was a delight to, to, to actually get to meet you then, and it's great to actually have a conversation oh, now. Oh, man, I love this. I love how small the world is. Wow. It is a, it, yeah, it is a small world. Thing, That's the thing, right? Yeah. yeah, especially our world. Thank you so much for your time, man. Yeah. It's such a treat to have Thank you here. Thank you hey, so man. much. This has been I, I, a great pleasure, man. Thanks, fellas. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Okay. We'll see you soon. This is Jensen stopping in to say hey and let you know that we've got to take a quick break. I'm about to pop. Hey, guys. It's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game. And it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is it's a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a PvP, player versus player mode, such as Alliance War or Real-Time Arena. So as we, as I record this, they're enjoying their six-year anniversary. So you know what that means, free stuff. Free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week. You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strife Force's most generous event to date. So don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user. So please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thanks for supporting Supernatural, then and now. And now, 
back to the show. Wow. Just wow. <laughs> Just wow. I loved that interview, man. What, what a great what guy. A intelligent, yeah. funny, fun, thoughtful human being. Yeah. And like, what an interesting analysis of the character. It's always fun when the people we're interviewing go back and watch the episode and relive it and go, oh, wow, that was that was really great. I mean, it's kind of like what you and I are doing with, with the show itself going, oh, wow, this really holds up. That was fun. Fun to get his fresh analysis of of, of the part and the journey his uh, character took. It, it, he, he had such an inter, uh, interesting insight to it. Yeah. I mean, like you say, it obviously triggered memories from his days of shooting it, or just it made him think about it, and it was really fascinating. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get into the mythology, shall we? Mythology! Mythology, 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 mythology. Uriel, whose name means fire of God or light of God, is the angel of thunder, terror, and earthquakes, but also wisdom, played by Robert Wisdom. He's one of the archangels usually associated with the apocalypse. He's often identified as a cherub and an angel of repentance and is depicted as standing at the gates of Eden with a fiery sword. Uh. Uriel was also the angel who discussed the fates of the leaders of the fallen angels, among them Azazel. According to the revelation of Esdras, he is among the angels who will rule at the end of the world. The English poet John Milton mm-hmm. in Paradise Lost uh-huh. described Uriel as regent of the sun oh. and the sharpest sighted spirit of all in heaven. Mm. So I had good eyesight. Mm-hmm. There we go. There you go. <laughs> really good eyesight. Uh, he's also the angel of September, the typical premiere month for a new season of Supernatural. Hey. Also the month of Rob Benedict's birthday. Also the month of Richard Spate's birthday. Hey. Uh, and. It's time for fun facts. Fun facts, fun facts, fun facts! The title of this episode comes from the expression, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? A metaphor for an exercise in futility. Huh, huh. never heard of that I one. didn't, I never heard that either. Robert also talked about head of a pin in the interview, and, and, and it made me think, when he was talking about uh, the universes, actually, it made me think the head of a pin, like there could be an entire universe in the head of a pin. That's what it made me think. Right, right, right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking That's about. what made me think, head of a pin. Got it. Makes sense. Okay, good. Uh, in Germany, the episode is called Diabolic Angel. In Hungary, it is called Interrogation. Interesting. That's very, yeah. I didn't know they changed the name of episode titles. And in Japan, it's called The Happy Fun Boat That Kills You. <laughs> no, it's not. But I, that's interesting. I didn't know they did that for episode titles. I didn't either. Like my first episode, Monster at the End of the Book. In Germany, it's called asshole. <laughs> it's called forecasting. <laughs> um. This episode is the first time Dean calls Castile Cast to his face. I noticed that. And I don't think Castile's ever referred to as Cast again, ever, on screen or off, ever. No, no one ever said it again, no. Actors or fans alike. After this, it was just Steel. <laughs> TL. Steel. <laughs> this episode contains the first use of an angel blade, which in later episodes and seasons becomes the weapon of choice against both angels and demons. Interesting. And it's easy to hide up your sleeve. Yeah, apparently. Uh, A lot of firsts in this episode. Also, this is the first time an angel dies in the show. And it must have been the first time they've done that, like, black outline of angel wings. Oh, yeah, the the burn mark. Yeah. And then you died eight more times as an angel, didn't you? I I just got, I just would show up and go, hey, guys, what are we, ah! (laughs) Originally, Castillo was going to die in this episode, but due to his popularity, the writers kept him alive. No shit. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. See, it pays to be popular, or so I've read. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. See, and that, I mean, that's, that's uh, really interesting to note because like, this is, this was kind of a first, I think, I've said this before about Supernatural, like they, they were actually listening to what fans' reactions were and making decisions based on it. I know, but it kind of paints a dismal picture for uh, our turn on the show. <laughs> like, what are the fans saying? Keep them alive? Uh, no kind of crickets over here, so go ahead and off them. That's not true. We're, <laughs> it's, but it actually, it, it's it's same for us. I mean, you know, it, it did matter if, if people liked you or not, if the fans, if you were well-received or not. And it, it just can't be said on, about TV shows before this. It didn't matter what you thought. They were going to write whatever they wrote. But Supernatural listened. And to me, that's one of the reasons it lasted for 15 seasons. Agreed. 
What a great podcast episode. Absolutely. And great episode of Supernatural. And I, I feel almost like a turning point, you know, um, like we talked about in our interview, it, it's, you know, we, we're now seeing angels in a different light. And we, yeah. we know that the world is much bigger than we thought it was. Yeah. It's uh, bigger than just the head of a pin. There you have it. I, there you go. I, it all comes full I circle. Your mushrooms have brought you to a junction of understanding and enlightenment. Yes. And uh, just so everyone knows, I'm not really on mushrooms. This is just a joke. Richard likes to play. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Okay, cool. We're not on mushrooms. Probably sober. There. Are you, are you convinced? Are you happy? Well, uh, thanks. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming and doing this. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for inviting me, buddy. This is great. I love what you've done with the place. Thank you. Well, I'm excited for the next one, and I know you are too, so we will see you then. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester, and Misha Collins as Castiel Johnson. Guest stars included a bunch of fabulous people, including Robert Wisdom, Genevieve Padalecki, Julia McNiven, and Christopher Heyerdahl. On the Head of a Pin was written by Ben Edlund and directed by Mike Roll. Editing by Tom McQuay, music by Christopher Leonards. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. This episode originally aired on March 19th, 2009. So great, we didn't mention that Ben Edlund wrote this. That's uh, I didn't even put it together till right till right now, honestly. Yeah. Of course he did. Yeah, so good. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine, written by Stephen Hine and Hayda Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. Bitty, 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 bitty. Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and TikTok at SPN Then and Now. Become a member of the podcast at patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now or on Apple. Castiel walks into a... Oh, already... Take two. <laughs> Uriel, whose name means fire of God. M- Muriel? Uh, no, y- Uriel. <laughs> Wait a minute. What, what's the month of thunder? Terror and earthquakes. The angel's the month of thunder. Wait a minute. Hold on. Is it like he's the angel of the month? Like the Pl- flavor of the month the, when you go to Starbucks? Or the playmate or of the month. I don't know what you're referring to, Rob. It sounds gross and inappropriate. What is it, Steve? Anyway, is that- so Rob got canceled. Our new host for the rest of the series. Great episode. Perfect beard. That I'm all, 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 almost looking at it through a different lens that I, I normally see it through. I don't know. It maybe it still sounds like I'm on mushrooms when I say that. But it sounds like you're on mushrooms yeah. when you say that. But but uh, but you know what? People on mushrooms are people too. Yeah, they are. Is my is what I've always said. And by the way, ironically, Uriel is the angel of thunder, and you are a frequent guest at the thunder from <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, that was a good one, Rob. Storybell Media. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.